Hey, y'all. <laughs> I lived in Mississippi for a few years. I'm allowed to drop an occasional y'all. I've never lived in Hutchinson, Minnesota, though, but I visited there several times. And usually when I go there, it's to cover Lindsay Whalen in some capacity. And she's this week's guest on Perk It Pod. Perk and Pond, sometimes he's at play. Perk and Pond, find out what he'll say. Perk and Pond, who's coming on today? Perk and The pride of Hutch has made so many folks there proud. I remember covering one of Lindsey Whalen's youth basketball clinics there. I remember shooting hoops with her in the driveway of her childhood home. I remember sitting down and eating a meal in a booth at McCormick's, her favorite local restaurant there, even there when Hutchinson High School named the gym after her. Which brings us to... Random Ranks. Since we're on the topic of getting a gym named after her... Here now is a list of the best athletes named Jim over the years. Again, entirely subjective. These are my top 11 gyms. I'm also allowing Jimmy's to float into this list. No changes. Absolutely no changes. Number 11, Orioles pitcher from the 70s, Jim Palmer, also an underwear model. Number 10, I don't like him, but I respect him, Jimmy Butler. Number nine, Philadelphia Phillies great shortstop, Jimmy Rollins. Got to include him. Number eight, this one's a little bit more obscure, but those old school football fans might know him. The center of the old Oakland Raiders teams, Jim Otto. Look him up. He's a Hall of Famer. Number seven, a more modern tight end great. Been very viable for a lot of NFL teams, Jimmy Graham. Number six, bringing it home, a former Minnesota Twins, 17 years in the big leagues, the majority of those with Minnesota, Jim Perry, the brother of Gaylord Perry. Uh, Number five on the list of best Jimmys or Jims, Jimmy Garoppolo. Still a lot to prove here, but I I just, he's just so incredibly good looking. (laughs) He's got to be up there. Okay, number four. One of the all-time fiery tennis greats, Jimmy Connors. Number three, another former twin and a great one at that. He didn't have a long career here like Jim Perry, but those years that he did have here were certainly indelible. Jim Tomey. My gosh, he was a beast. Number two, Jim Thorpe. One of the all-time greatest athletes in the history of the world, frankly an Olympian, a football star, so many others. I think he was a cattle wrangler also, I'm pretty sure. Number one, and this one's undeniable, Jim Brown. I mean, this guy, oh my gosh, this guy. Have you seen YouTube videos of Jim Brown running a football and running over defenders? My gosh, Jim Brown, I, he, he has a career average per carry of over five yards. It's just like give him the ball every time. All right. Now let's get right to it. Cut to the chase. Lindsay Whalen. What a treat to have her join me on Zoom here recently. She's become synonymous with Minnesota sports. Truly one of the greats. Gopher superstar. WNBA champion multiple times over. Olympic gold medalist. And now Gopher head coach. It's been quite a ride for Way. Let's unpack it all with Lindsay Whalen. 
Can you believe, Lindsay Whalen, that it is year, is this your third year of being yeah. a golfer coach? Yeah, yeah, third year. First, the first year, it, it still, you looking back, I, I played half that year. <laughs> I, I played, I played my last year of the WNBA, so my, my 15 year career ended as I got the head coaching job at Minnesota. So, uh, yeah, so I played that into that first um, year. I, the season finished in September, and then I think I took three or four days off, and then I started coaching. And then it was just learning so much along the way. I mean, you you don't know what exactly to expect. You, you've you never coached a game before. I mean, you I've, I've been, you know, the point guard coach on the floor. Obviously, I was very close with Cheryl. But then to just go through it, that first year was such a whirlwind. Um, and then year two, a lot of establishing just our culture and how things are going to go. Yeah. Um, well, when, you know, this is what Mark Coyle hired me to do is to be, to be the coach here and to do things the right way as well as win. And now it's just, and now since that, now we've had a pandemic and now it's year three. So it's <laughs> like, and now we're, you know, COVID and testing and quarantining and trying to create a bubble. It's like everybody, it's been crazy. And I, I think you just, I don't know. I've been trying to not look too far, you know, within COVID, not too far back, not too far forward, because there's there's not much you can control. It's so true. And it's just weird that we have to be in this sort of nebulous bubble of, of just uncertainty, but also, but also, you know, trying to proceed and and like you mm -hmm. said not look back and not get too caught up in, in what was because it is a new age and it is a new dawn and it is a new time and, it, and there's so much but if you if you take it all the way back i, I want to go all the way back to hutch mm -hmm. and um and growing up in hutchinson minnesota and you had such a great family and you still do um but with that experience and like were you always a basketball player Lindsay, or was it always or were you kind of into absolutely everything and eventually basketball just stuck yeah everything so I was, um, you know, my first, my first goal was to be a wide receiver on the Minnesota Vikings. Great goal. Um, I was going to play with Anthony Carter and, um, you know, he was my favorite player. He was my favorite football player growing up and I was going to play in the NFL and that was going to be the story, you know? Mm. And so, and then, then I, around kindergarten or, uh, you know, when I was five or six, I started playing hockey. So then I was going to be North Stars. Then yeah. I was going to play. Then I, I played that for five years. And that uh, was before a lot of girls were actually playing. And now, yeah, it's, was, now it's just like wall to wall. Girls yeah, it's exploded now, which is awesome. But, but back, back then, then you were, were you one of the few? Had to have been. Yeah, yeah, one of two in Hutch that played hockey. One of two girls that played hockey in Hutch at the time when um, you played on the boys team. There wasn't, mm -hmm. there wasn't girls hockey. But by the time I got to high school, there was a girls team my junior and senior year. But of course, by then I, um, you know, was already, you know, in fully into basketball. I, I started playing only basketball in sixth or seventh grade. Um, and I played, I played tennis and, and ran track and in high school at basketball became my main focus around middle school. And then, um, but, but we would play everything. Our, our group of neighborhood kids, you know, soccer, football, baseball, basketball, um, hockey in the winter so we we played a little bit of every sport every day after school and then you know eventually just um basketball became it it became what I wanted to do every day and and play and continue to get better and it's it's just kind of taken off from there 
We'll be back with more with Lindsey Whalen in just a sec. But first, I want to introduce you folks to a guy that is sitting across from me right now, looking awfully dapper, by the way. <laughs> Michael Bryant, thanks so much for being here and joining us on Perkett Pod. I am glad to be here. Tell us about yourself. I, I know you're obviously the Bryant of Bradshaw and Bryant. Um, tell us about Bradshaw and Bryant. Bradshaw and Bryant is a law firm that does plaintiff's personal injury. We represent people who are injured through no fault of their own, and we also do criminal defense. So we have a full-time criminal lawyer. I've done criminal work since I started with John Bradshaw back in 1991. I still do a little bit of criminal, but for the most part, I do plaintiff personal injury and represent lots of people in car accidents. Uh, I do a number of cases involving survivors that have been sexually abused, and then we get involved in a number of different personal injury type cases. So you're a busy guy. I try to be. You mentioned Bradshaw, not Terry Bradshaw from the Pittsburgh Steelers from, <laughs> from the days of yore, right? I mean, this is, no, yeah. uh, not that guy. <laughs> but but what, but what about your team? How how many how many how many are on your uh, are on your side there? Well, we have two lawyers in the Minneapolis office, mm-hmm. uh, and then in St. Cloud we have uh there's five of us so i think total i have anywhere between seven and nine depending on how you do the math and you're a sports fan too a uh, very big sports fan i grew up in rhode island and uh I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, no matter what. And then I moved to Minnesota in 1982 and got infected with, you know, liking the Vikings and <laughs> and caring about the Twins. And and you played sports, too, growing up, right? I played hockey. Yeah. I was a goaltender. Uh, I played some juniors. And I played, uh, I was going to play college hockey. And then found out there was a lot more to life than stopping hockey pucks. And again, where can people reach you, Mike? People can reach us at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. We have a place you can comment there, and there's also a chat that pops up there. Or they can call 800-770-7008. Great chatting with you. Thanks for being a friend of Perkett Pod here, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Perk and Pod. Yeah, yeah. I mean, growing up in... In sixth, seventh grade, my best friend's dad was our coach. So we would pile into their suburban and, um, you know, go to the game. How fun. You'd play two. Yeah, those are like, I, I, you know, I tell people now those are still like some of the best memories. Piling into the (laughs) one person's car, going to the game, snacks and all that. You're all going together, play two, three games, stop at McDonald's or Dairy Queen on the way home and, that was your Saturday, you know, yeah. and then the next day you get ready to watch watch the Vikings or whatever. So, um, yeah, some great memories, some really really fun times at that point of, um, you know, I guess my life. Yeah, in in high school at those games at Hutch, um, before the gymnasium was named after you, um, <laughs> like what were those games like as a player growing up? Like were you yeah. pack were you packing gyms because people were starting to pay attention in high school, or or was it still really low key in in high school? Um, People knew you were really good, but it wasn't like an appointment was, to go watch you, or was it? It, it I, I think it became that a little bit later. Like, we had a good team, though. Yeah. So, I, like, we had a nice history of um, a couple teams going to state, a couple players going on to play college basketball. And so, in the year I came in as a, as a ninth grader, we had just graduated a couple players that went on to, I think, uh, St. Cloud State, um and some local universities so we had we had a good team yeah we had other players that when I was a sophomore and they were seniors they went on to play college basketball and so um not at the division one level but good players and so we had a good team um 
and it was it was something my sophomore junior year um, we had some really good teams and there were some games when it was if we'd play a rivalry or a, a ranked team it was it was packed it was it was full and fun. Um, some some probably because people want you know people started to hear about me and whatnot but just we had a really good team uh, and then awesome. my senior year we dropped down I, I, I sprained my ankle really bad that year we graduated a lot of good players and we were we were only 500 my my senior year and so um it was a good thing i signed with the u um going into my senior year because i would my ankle was pretty bad and i didn't have a great year um but those my freshman sophomore junior season we i mean you know we were ranked one year we were 22 and two i think or 23 and two and never made to state but we we always gave it a good run and, and had great support for sure Go Tigers. Now, we should mention that you were joining us today from a hotel room because, <laughs> because, because, not because you're on some recruiting trip or anything like no. that. You're, you're in a hotel room because you're, you're, you're doing your floors at your house and you have to kind of yeah, evacuate. <laughs> yeah, so we moved. So we moved um, right before the right before pandemic, right before COVID. Like you had heard, you started to hear about COVID. It was in February. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, we had seen this house for a few years. It finally came back on the market. We like, we got to do it. We'll just make it, we'll make it work, you know, um, kind of a place that we, we felt like, um, we would be in for, for for many years. And I try to think, I think the first week we moved in, we turned on an ice machine and it leaked that whole night and it wrecked our, our hardwood floors. And then it was like, well, we can't get to do it now because we were still in the season literally three or four days after the season, the NBA canceled the season, the NCAA canceled the, the tournaments for men's and women's basketball. And then the next time we could get in to do the hardwood floors was, was now. And so we were like, well, it's kind of nice, a little bit of vacation because we couldn't go anywhere through COVID. We, we had, we had thoughts that we were going to go maybe on some vacations this summer and it just, it just didn't work out like everybody. So this has kind of been a nice little staycation, a little change of pace, which is, I'm ready to get home, but you know, you can make the best out of any situation. Totally. Uh, and good for you. And so then, then, then it was the Gophers and who recruited you? Was it, was it coach Oldfield at that time or, or no, freeze was, um, or what was, uh, Oh, you oh. for sure. A little John. Oh, shoot. Oh, sure. little John recruited. Yes. Yeah, so a little John. She brought in, um, it was, we had a big class too. We had, um, me, Tanisha Gilbert, Megan Kane, Angel Leone, um kim nelson um obviously the people are married now but those are the yeah. are all the you know, maiden names and um as well as um op we called their ozum paraglu from from turkey khadija anderson from sweden and ebba um from sweden as well and so we had like i mean our that was a huge class it was like six or seven of us that came in and all different positions from all over the world and um she recruited us that um that was her i think fourth or fifth year coaching um and so there that season we weren't very good um there were you could just tell that this isn't probably how it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. um and then after the season um you know she was let go and i you know i i still she she pushed us and um i still learned a lot from her though i mean she's you know i think she's um She's out of coaching now, and um, but she's you know still a 
a good person and it just um you know maybe wasn't the right time or, or timing with, with coaching for her but she recruited all of us so she and she recruited janelle mccarville yeah so i mean I'm just class, sort of you know? an underrated sort of piece of that of the yeah. little dynasty you guys had there for a little bit i mean that was yeah that was an amazing run would you say so so then what what was the lightning in the bottle that that magical season because here you got here you guys were that just started winning everything and, and packing the pavilion so much that you that they had to open up williams arena for you, for you and it was just just amazing and like can you describe that season and sort of the I'm a little, like without sounding too corny just the magic behind it and and, and yeah. what that was like that was well, a phenomenal cover from my perspective it was just awesome and if you remember they we were we were starting to get some we had started out well that year that so that was with coach Ofield at the time um she's now now uh brenda freeze out in maryland her so that was the one year she coached here and if you remember we were we were starting out well we had a really good tournament out in i think hawaii you know and we started out that season with a good record um and then something around i want to say the holidays they the pavilion flooded Oh, funny. So it really was, it really was something, you know, like you say, you know, magic, how did it, it was something happened because, uh, water main broke, okay. flooded the pavilion, so Got we couldn't play there anymore, so we had to go to Williams. Familiar theme in this podcast. So, exactly. Okay, go ahead. So we, um, we rode the wave to Williams, that was the big promotion. <laughs> Everybody had these shirts, ride the wave to Williams, funny. and our first game, they had to delay 20 minutes to let people in because... We had the most we probably had played in front of at the pavilion was maybe 1500, 2000, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> Williams, that first game, we had 11,000 people against Indiana, yeah. beat Indiana. And all of a sudden it was 11,000. And basically since then, it just kind of went, it just kind of went after that. It was just full steam ahead. Um, it, and we just, I think the fewest amount of fans we ever played in front of again was probably six seven thousand we wow. just we beat indiana then we beat purdue um we i think we go on the road and beat wisconsin at some point in there and they were fourth in the country they had twenty thousand people at that game wow. and we came in and beat them you know pretty handily and then went to the tournament that year won a game and you know then of course she you know brenda leaves pam comes in and um you know, we end up going to a Sweet 16 and eventually a Final Four. Just awesome. So many awesome memories there. Yeah. The, uh, geez, it was, yeah. it was, it was, and, and uh, I know that's a, such a sense of pride for you. And then, and then it came time to, for WNBA and then you get drafted by Connecticut, which I'm yep. sure it was like, I, that's a good experience for you. But like for those of us here, we were so <laughs> mad at the links. I don't <laughs> I was like, what are you guys doing? How do you let her go? I don't even I, I don't even know. I don't even remember who they picked. Or did they not have a chance to pick Nicole Oldie? So they traded up to the sixth pick. Okay. But um essentially the goal, like if they wanted to they knew Mike Tebow was gonna take me. So they had to get in front of four and they just they wouldn't I think it came down to them probably um, you know, not wanting to trade Katie Smith, who was an Olympian at the time. Sure. And I'm sure Mike in Connecticut was like, well, this is the player I want. I would do the yeah. same. You know, you're going to ask for the moon. And if you're the Lynx, you know, you've got this hometown um, player, uh, but you've also got an Olympian proven all-star player on your team. And so, you know, you're kind of in that they were still in somewhat of the 
beginning stages of the franchise. So it was, I, I just remember I wanted to stay home a hundred percent, but then I got to grow up a little bit out in Connecticut too. Cause I was away from, I guess a little bit of the spotlight and I was a rookie. So I had to kind of go, you know, find my own footing. I am from Hutch. So an hour away is a lot different than a three hour flight for my parents. So I think I, I, you know, of course during that time too, I was going overseas and playing. So I kind of had to grow up a little bit more and I look back and I'm, I'm thankful for that time. Cause I think I, I really was able to kind of, um, you know, find myself a little more. I know that, that's super cliche, but, um, it all worked out how it was supposed to. And, you know, I, I couldn't, and then getting traded back here, I couldn't have asked for a better way for, for my pro career to go. Yeah. And where were those overseas experiences for you? Are you, you, there were a few different ones for you, mm -hmm. a few different countries, weren't there or no? Yep. So I started out in Russia. Mm -hmm. um, and my first year playing over there, I had such a bad, I just, this ankle kind of plagued me throughout my career, my left ankle. I've had two surgeries now. Um, and, and so we, I played two years in, um, in Connecticut. I didn't go over, overseas for my first year. Okay. I came back here, finished my degree. And then I went overseas after my second year in the WNBA and I sprained my ankle in the finals and I ended up needing surgery, but I went over there not knowing I needed surgery was on the team, but never played. And then I actually went back to that same team the next season. So it, it, it did work out fine. So I played two seasons there in Russia. Then I played five in Czech Republic in Prague. I remember that. And that yeah. was, um, that was kind of my, my overseas home. We, we had essentially an apartment set up there. We were there for five years and I spent more time there than I did either in Connecticut or Minnesota at the time. Most of my year was spent overseas because the season over there is, you know, seven, seven and a half months. Then I played, went to Russia again, went to, and then my last season I I played, no, I went from Czech Republic to Turkey, back to Russia, and then finished in Turkey. So I played 10, 10 years overseas. Jeez. And what, and, and, and you did that because the money was good. I would imagine yeah. the, the yeah. opportunity to grow your game, but also like, you know, for a WNBA player who are sadly not paid in the ballpark of NBA players, that was the thing mm -hmm. to do. That was, that was how you supplemented. Right. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why we went, you know, at the time player, you know, we'd get asked the questions, well, you know, I get to go work on my game and do all that. No, you're only going to live away from your family in a foreign country where you don't speak the language for essentially one reason. I mean, great life lessons, great um, life culture. And, you know, you're playing basketball for the, I mean, you're getting better. You're working on your game. You have to too, as because the WNBA off season is so long. That's a long time not to be playing basketball, working on your game. But the number one reason everyone goes over there is because you get paid more than the WNBA. Now, with the new agreement, I think it's closer to what it is overseas. Some players can make close to what they would make overseas. But, yeah, that's the number one reason. That's So, so you're, basically, you're basically doubling, if not more so, your salary. Yeah, yeah. And, and most – I mean, when you're on your rookie salary, it's closer to probably – for some players, I don't know, quadruple, okay. up to five times, especially the top level players who are in the rookie contracts. Now, when you're making, you get past your first contract, and if you're a max player, probably making three times as much as the WNBA. So you couple all that together, and that's a pretty good year. What's you know? your housing to pay for, too? Is it, isn't your housing taken care of, too? Or in, housing, in car, yep. 
So you basically have to go over there. I mean, a big grocery store run because you have to fill an apartment with groceries and all the necessities you need. And, um, but other than that, yeah, no, you don't have to pay rent. Um, but you're, so you're like, you're basically banking money at that point. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. You're, you gotta just be smart with it and, and put as much as you can away. Yeah. Because that's essentially you're, that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're looking back now. I'm 38 and I stopped going when I was 33, 34 and, um, you know, saving, um, you know, doing the right things then, um, you know, so, you know, it's, it's paid off. Um, and just being so, you know, I, that's what I tell all the young players to go over there and just save as much of it as you can. Yeah. And put it away. But so. with that said, aren't, because then you are extending your season, as you say, half a year, seven months, maybe even like then like the exhaustion level has to kick in at some point. Right. I mean, you really yeah. get, there's, you get fried at some points, I would imagine. It's just like, it's just like, Oh, I need an off season here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was always tough. Like you'd have nice breaks around the holidays that you get 10 days off. And that was kind of when you could really just shut down because after the WNBA season, you had to start getting ready for Europe. Yeah. When you could finish up your Europe season, you had the WNBA. And it was the hardest part was always going from Europe to WNBA because the level's higher. The practices are harder. There's more demands on your time and your body in the WNBA than in Europe. Um, in Europe, no, you know, no one really knows you. And so you can kind of just go about your day. You go to practice, you go to your game and then you, you go home. Well, in Minnesota, back in, in Minneapolis, when we were, you know, there's a lot of demands on everybody's time and energy. And so that was always like, once we got through training camp and got into games, I always felt good, um, back here in, in Minnesota, but, um, yeah, you're always kind of thinking of the next thing and just eventually it happens to every player that your body just eventually tells you it's time to stop playing overseas or for some players to stop playing the WNBA. We just, we had too good of a thing, you know, all of us, you know, and, and with the links, it was, you know, and, and money is, is one thing for sure. But I think it just kind of came to us. We had such a good thing going. We were at the end of our career, we had made good money. We had saved and it was like, let's try to get as many championships as we can and get as, or just, and just get as many years out of our, our run as we can together. And I think everybody really took that, that mentality towards the end of our, our playing careers. All right. More with Lindsay Whalen coming up in a sec, but first we got to take this time to chat with Sean Bernard, who is kind enough to be here with us today. Sean Bernard is an, as a real estate agent for Edina Realty, kind of a rock star real estate agent, aren't you? <laughs> I have fun, man. That's a, that's the a reason why I'm glad that I did this partnership with you and sponsor your show is that we both have a similar mindset that we are going to have a good time. Well, we appreciate you, you know, being a friend of, of, of Perkett Pod and, and helping us out in so many ways. But if you would talk about your, your agency and, and, uh, and what you're able to do as an agent. Well, yeah, you know, it, it really comes down to the homework, you know, doing your homework, doing the research. And I pride myself on that. I learned a long time ago that I'm a big nerd. This time of the year, what I'm really working on is people that are planning three to six to nine months from now. Uh, if people are interested, if it's you or somebody else you know that's interested in buying or selling, give me a call at 612-859-2594. That number is also text-worthy. And if you're listening to this podcast and you love music, I got a great podcast for you to listen to. It's The Brian Oak Show. Give that a listen anywhere you find your podcasts. Perk and Pie. 
it was such a it was such a, a compilation of of ridiculous talent um and and what your thoughts on Cheryl Reeve and you know primarily I know Roger Griffith was pulling some strings behind the scenes but I mean Cheryl Reeve was the architect uh in so many ways of the of the Lynx dynasty can you speak to her and what she meant to you um as a, as a mentor as a coach all that stuff yeah she you're right she she got you know the pieces she figured out what made each person go um ultimately there there, there was a standard that everybody had to adhere to mm-hmm. you know there was she she would you know there was different ways that i think she would try to motivate or even talk to me versus um becky brunson or maya versus simone there was different ways but there was ultimately when it was practice it was there's the stand there's this is a standard that's what's expected i don't care if you're maya moore or of uh, somebody coming in as a rotation player off the bench like the standard was the same if you aren't bringing it every day if you aren't um you know focused on the details you're going to hear it from her for sure um but uh, you know off the court and um you know kind of like before games when different players were in slumps when different players were at the peak of their powers she had a way of talking to everybody and figuring out what made that person go to be their best. So then they, we could get the best for the team. And then if we were all operating, you know, the the years we were all operating at kind of the peaks was the years that we won. Um, And she made some great moves, you know, getting sill really extended things three, four years, you know? And so um, I, you know, we probably do, I don't think we win 15 or 17 without sill and make it, make it one shot away in 2016 from, from a three-peat. Was that, is that just so fun? I mean, just those rides you're on and, and when you were winning yeah. titles and winning playoff games and winning hard-fought playoff games and, and, you know, and going down and just taking care of business and then just, you know, celebrating the spoils of the victories and all that. I mean, just what a, what a ride. So memorable, right? Just, just so career-making and so, such an indelible kind of stamp um, for, for you as a team and you as a player, but, like, what you did for – that brand and and women's basketball and girls basketball frankly in this state um just that that must make you awfully proud no yeah i mean absolutely i i think one of the things that towards the i think maybe 2017 2018 towards the end there um it was released that girls um in minnesota have the highest participant participation rate in sports you know, and I, you know, I can't help but think that having us on TV feeling uh, at the start in NBA stadium yeah. with 18,000 people, um, not every night, but on several occasions, um, I can't help but think that that had some impact. And so to me, that's, that's one of the things like, what do you leave behind? You want to leave things better than when you found it. But if you can inspire people to and not just basketball, like any sport, you know, or whatever, or whatever activity um, uh, makes you go, makes you, gives you passion, you know, whatever you have passion for, it might be, it might be the choir, might be band, but whatever it is, like, if we could have said, oh, you know, women can do that, girls can do that, and we got a few more people to participate and be out there and um, be a part of a team and something bigger than themselves, then it was 100% all worth it. 
So awesome. So awesome. And then and another thing that you had as a player that, that not a lot of people had was, was, you know, you talk about how busy you are with the links and winning championships and, and, and playing overseas, but then you also had the Olympics on more yeah. than one occasion, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. So I made the first, was well, that, was that Olympics. Beijing and London, Beijing and London, right? Or no, London, or no. And, Rio. London, and, London Rio. and Rio, London, London and Rio. Rio. Yep. So I, and I made the, the first time I made the national team was in 2010. So I was on the national team from 2010 to 2016. So a good, a six. Um, so I went 2010 world championships in Czech Republic made, we won there 2012, uh, London, 2014 world championships in Turkey, 2016 Rio. And then I was, then I was done with the national team, but so eight, yeah, eight, I guess eight gold medals there. And, every other year there for a stretch and um yeah so so when you have breaks if you're going to play in the national team and go for gold medals then you go for you go for usa basketball so you just yeah you, and and i don't know you just the love of the game pushes you through um being around great people um because yeah those and those times are like you can't you can't lose we never we never, never lost one game um in any of those competitions that i was a part of we won every game and it was like, if you, you can't lose yeah. your USA basketball, you're the US, you're, we, we lost a few games on some leading up, you know, kind of, um, international, that was called friendlies. Yeah. Um, we did lose two games in those and it was good. Cause that gave Gino motivation that we would never lose a game when it actually counted at, um, tournament time or gold medal. We went, we went undefeated. I don't know how many games that is, but never lost. Cause you can't, that's just the mentality and you have to carry that every day that you go in the gym and just be the best of the best every day with, with USA basketball. Did you like Gino as a coach? Loved it. Yeah. Love playing for Gino. Um, just, you know, he, you know, what he's done with UConn and then to be the Olympic coach, it's, it's just having that standard, that consistency every day to just be great. And just to be, to see that, um, to be around, um, such a highly competitive environment was, um, was fun. You know, we, it was, it, everything is time and place. So there's time that it's relaxed and everybody's having fun and we're playing cards. And then it's like when the ball's tipped or we're going to a shoot around, it's like everybody's focus this is our job. This is what it is. And it's, it's just that every day, every time. And so it was fun to be a part of that on a national level at the same time, the links we were taking off. And so it was me, Maya, Sale, Moan, Cheryl was an assistant coach. It was kind of like we would come in and we were a huge part of the national team, what we had done with the links. So it was fun to see just, you know, this is a standard of, of excellence that's expected every day, starting with Cheryl and starting with Gino in two different organizations and to see them lead in different ways was something that, um, you know, I was definitely taking mental notes at the time because yeah. you see that that's what success, that's how you win. That's what breeds success and um, getting to learn from two of the best um, or probably the two best um, probably ever to do it in the women's game has been, um, you know, I, I, I didn't get to meet Pat Summit, but I'm sure that's just, this is what it is. It's the standard and, and you got to bring it every day and be consistent. That's just, that's what great teams do. Yeah, I actually did get to meet Pat Summit. It was awesome. Oh, did you? I used, yeah, for real. Like, so actually, my first tele, my first television interview ever it was not Pat Summit, but it was I don't know if you know, remember a guy named Van Chancellor. Oh yeah. Okay, so yeah. 
So I worked, yeah. in, I worked in Tupelo, Mississippi, and we'd go to a lot of Ole Miss games. And my first live shot that I ever did, I remember being horribly nervous. I was interviewing Van Chancellor live. This is my first television on-air live gig ever, was interviewing Van Chancellor. Anyway, like, anyway, two weeks later, I got to interview Pat Summit as well. But I just remember, like, some SEC that we covered a lot of SEC now. That was pretty awesome. But anyway, but, but I got about two giants of the game to kick it off for you. I know, right? It's unbelievable. And, it was. Ben it was. And Pat Summit. Here no, you go. I don't take that for granted. I don't, <laughs> no. I don't at all. I don't at all. That's take unbelievable. That. Yeah. So, okay. Then, so you talk about taking notes from these great coaches and then, and then, you know, here you are head coach. Like, is that, is that sort of like, I would imagine getting that culture is a huge part for you moving forward with the Gophers. Am I right? hundred percent. I mean, and that's what, and that's now going into year three, I feel um, probably as sturdy on my feet as a coach as I think I ever have been. And I, I, that's again, something that is expected, I guess, but, and people have told me, you know, just, okay, year one, this is what you're doing. Year two, this is what you're, you know, this is kind of what to expect. Um, and yet until you go through it, it's, you, you know, just expect the unexpected. But I think I feel um, in year three, like I said, as, as strong and as, um, you know, sturdy in my, as far as my conviction goes for, like, we're going to win here. We're going to be successful. This is how we're going to do it. Um, and that's just the way it is. Like, I, I've, I've just been fortunate enough to be around so many great coaches, so many great players that this is what they do. This is what I've seen them do and it be successful. And so that's, it's my job now to implement that with the young women on my team. And it, and it starts with just that daily standard and daily, you know, commitment of being so consistent in what you're doing. Um, and obviously that ultimately starts with me. Um, and, and then it's my job to communicate it and make sure it happens on a day-to-day -day basis with our, with our team. Was that kind of a lesson um, last year for you in, in some of the maybe personality struggles? I don't want to speak yeah. for, for what you went through, but, but, but having to step up in that authoritative role and lay down the law. I mean, it, it, it seemed like that that was what was happening behind the scenes because we didn't have the glimpse yeah. behind the curtain. Was that yeah. kind of what that was about? It's, it's, it's what it's what it's all it was about was that, you know, I've, I've just seen things done at such a high level. And I'm like, it's, it's not happening here. And this is, we're going to, we got to demand it. We got to make it happen. This is how it's going to be. And, and this is just, this is what it is. As long as I'm here, you know, and as long as I'm here, that's why they hired me. That's why Mark hired me to, like I said, do things the right way, be a great teammate, treat everybody around you the way you want to be treated ultimately and have a lot of success. Um, so just that, yeah, that daily standard and, um, you know, culture, if you will, was something that in, and I found out it's not just going to like happen by actions. Um, I learned a lot as well. I, you know, I don't, I take, you know, responsibility. I, I take the most responsibility. I'm the head coach, but it just got to a point where I'm like, if we're going to do this, if I'm going to be the coach here, this is how it has to be done. Mm -hmm. And, and it just, um, you know, for a few individuals it um, you know, it didn't work out. And like I said, I, I take the most responsibility because I'm the head coach. Um, there's also a few years of 
not having coached, there's some growing pains for sure, which is, which is not an excuse. It's just, it's reality that there's growing pains and learning, um, you know, what you could have done differently. You can't change it. Um, but I feel good about where we're at now. And the fact that we did make, um, a strong statement that we're going to do things the right way here at Minnesota. Is recruiting just so vastly different now with, with COVID? It's just, I oh, it's gotta be so, yeah. so almost freakish. No, so we haven't. So, you know, my first two years here, you're going all over the place, um, going to tournaments, um, you know, doing the in-home visits with players and their families. You're having on-campus players come through the facility and, um, you know, seeing the weight room and the basketball court and the offices and, now everything is um, on Zoom, and so that's been inter- that's been super interesting. Um, everything's on Zoom over the phone or FaceTime, yeah. because there's no in-person recruiting through at least the rest of this year. So we're talking at least two more months of of not no in-person recruiting, and I I would highly doubt anything would change before these seasons. You know, the however the season is going to shake out. Um, so it's all on Zoom, a lot of a lot of Snapchat, text, all, all that yeah. type of stuff with these, with these, um, with with the young players, and it's just um, it's been totally a game changer. It's uh, it's been interesting for sure. So you have to snap people. Oh yeah, I've gotten pretty good. I've gotten pretty good though. I've gotten. I, I try to not overdo it, but uh, yeah, that or you know the Instagram messages and all that stuff yeah. that that everybody does. You gotta try to keep up with the times as much as, as much as possible. I had to learn, I never had snap, had Snapchat before, but definitely learned over a, a few years. Of I did too. I had, I had, <laughs> I had, uh, I had, that's how I kind of, that's how I communicate with my interns. <laughs> I'm just like, seriously, it's just, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does DJ, does Waylon have a, uh, does Waylon have a TikTok account? Uh, I do, but okay. I just, follow people i don't i've never made a tiktok yeah okay it's, I, don't know, I wouldn't even know how it's but. it's tremendous covid entertainment i'm just gonna say that right now i mean oh yeah i be i could be on i think my record is probably like two straight hours on tiktok <laughs> you know just it's awesome you know watching the people go up to um you know shoppers at a store and just start to take their stuff out of their cart and stuff like right, stuff, right, right. Stuff, really stuff, but it's, it's pretty funny. It's, inter- it's mindless entertainment. Um, the, the, uh, there's, you know, a lot of big notion that you had never coached before the Gophers, but like, I don't know if you'll recall that we, you and I coached against one another. Oh yeah. Uh, at Williams <laughs> arena. Yeah, we in a, did. In a perfect play. It was, it was part two of the trilogy of perfect plays that you and I did. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it was, it was you and I coaching, youth teams from somewhere. Yeah. I don't even remember where. Against uh, each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were opposing coaches. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. So one. we did the, uh, we did the first one, which is the classic. Yeah. That was the classic. We competed one-on-one yeah. horse, even the little, the little yeah. no suit for you. Yeah. You dominated. And then we coached against each other. And then we did the, when I got back here with the links, we did another one. Yeah, we did one where you were like, okay, if I can't beat you, I'm going to join you. And then you you, I, you became the teacher and I became like your yeah. student of like, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, so thank you for all those. Those are uh, memories oh, I forget. Those are still popular on my YouTube page. But if you would, um, like, do you, do, you, do you think, like, you know, when like recently we lost Sid Hartman and it was just, you, you talk about iconic Minnesota sports figures, but 
and I don't want to, I don't want to say it, like, I don't want to start putting people on a Mount Rushmore of, of Minnesota sports, but do you, do you ever really kind of sit back and think like, <laughs> I'm, I like, I'm kind of a big deal in this state. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like I, without, cause I know you're probably not arrogant and egotistical. I know you're not. So, so that would be hard for you to go there. But like, do you, do you think about the scope and, and the impact that you've had um, in a big picture format ever? Like, does it ever like, wow, I'm kind of a big deal here. Seriously. I mean, yeah, because it's, it was, it's been like a, a 20 year span of, either playing here at the U or with the Lynx. Obviously with, you know, Connecticut, I was pushed away for a while, which is probably good. People got sick of me. Um, and now uh, now coaching here again, I've been in everybody's face for almost 20 years now. Um, no, actually 20 years, cause I'm, cause I'm 38 and I went to, you know, I started college at 18. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I do because I've watched sports here my whole life. And I've witnessed two championships. The twins, eighty-seven and fifty-one, right? Yeah, yeah. Unless you, and, I'm, yeah, and then and then thank and you. I've been on a team that's won four. Right. <laughs> so that answers your question. <laughs> I mean, it's just simple math, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's simple there's, math. There's yeah. sometimes when I I get and I do though I'm, I mean I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now if I wasn't competitive. When I hear, you know. Um, you know, if, if I do hear Mount Rushmore stuff or best athlete, who's got the most, I'm like, all right, I just got to cement this thing by, we got to win a lot of games here at Minnesota. We got to go back to a final four. We got to win a big 10 championship. Cause, and that drives me, that really drives me to, to compete with now it's different. Now it's like Bud Grant, Cheryl, um, you know, all, you know, think of some th flip, you know, other great coaches. And it's like, um, God, you want to be mentioned with those coaches, you know, and if it, if it didn't drive me to do that, then I would, you know, I wouldn't be in the right, right position. So it's like, you want to just, now it's like, okay, what's the last thing really? Um, you know, I've won as a player, both, you know, at the U, um, professionally national team. Now it's, now it's coaching. Now it's figuring out how to you know, get my players to have those same experiences and, and have that, that success. And, um, and in that you'd, you know, you, you'd be competing with the other great coaches that have, that have been here in Minnesota. That'll do it for this episode of Perkett Pod. We want to thank our partners, Audio Wiz, Justin Bailey, theme song by Taylor Robert. Keep listening weekly for another episode with Minnesota sports influencers and icons on Perkett Pod. Feel free to share this podcast. Give us a simple subscribe click. It doesn't cost you a thing. Heart us, rate us, double tap us, whatever you want. And until next time, remember, shine bright. Don't be afraid to be weird and open your hearts to inclusion. Peace. Perkett Pond, sometimes he's at play. Perkett Pond, find out what he'll say. Perkett Pond, who's coming?